Good morning, church. Uh, it's great to connect together. Um, hey, uh, it was so encouraging this past week, Wednesday night, we got to see Teresa baptized into Christ. So uh, encouraged and proud of her decision to make Jesus Lord. And uh, let's really make sure we love up on her and really welcome our new sister into the family. Uh, if you don't have your Bible, go ahead and grab a Bible and turn over to 1 Peter. Uh, we're continuing our series this morning, and we've been, we've been looking through 1 Peter for a little over a month now. And just, just to remind us, right, this was a letter that was written and circulated throughout all the churches in Asia Minor. And Peter had likely written this letter in Rome, and it was sent out sometime shortly before or after he was martyred in Rome during the reign of Nero. And he's writing this letter to encourage the Christians and the churches to remain faithful, to stand firm, to be steadfast in spite of the challenges they were facing that were testing their faith. And while we aren't facing the same set of challenges and circumstances that they were, Peter's message of encouragement and direction still applies to us today. So go ahead and turn over to 1 Peter chapter 1. The title of my message this morning is Refined. And I have a question that I'd like to ask us all. That question is, how's the test going? Brothers and sisters, how is the test going? Let's go to God in prayer and then we're going to pick up in 1 Peter chapter 1. Father, thank you so much for your word. God, thank you for the encouragement, God, the inspiration that we get from Peter's letter. God, from your word, from your words to encourage us to remain faithful regardless of the challenges that we face. God, I pray that you would strengthen us. God, that the, the tests that come on us, God, that, that we would grow through those. Father, open our hearts this morning to your word. We need you, God. Refine our faith. Strengthen us. We love you. It's in your son Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. First Peter chapter 1, let's start in verse 3. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In all this, you greatly rejoice. Though now, for a little while, you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith of greater worth than gold which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy 
For you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. And one of the most helpful things that Peter does in this letter is he provides perspective to the challenges that we face. He refreshes their hope by adjusting their view from what's going on right in front of them to what we have waiting for us and what we have to look forward to. You see, it's hard to endure when there's no end result that's motivating us. And that's true with most things. It's hard to endure exercise when there's no end result that's motivating us. It's hard to endure the path of education when there's no end result motivating us. It's hard to endure in our careers when there's no end result motivating us. And the churches needed to be reminded of what was awaiting them. They needed to be, re- they needed to be reminded of their motivation to help them endure the challenges that they were facing. Because if there's nothing obvious that we're working toward, perseverance can seem pointless. If there isn't some worthwhile reward, why not just take the path with less pain? Peter's reminding them of the end result. Guys, because of Jesus, we have an inheritance that's waiting for us. An inheritance that will never perish, never spoil, never fade. It's kept in heaven and will be revealed when Jesus returns. And in this, we greatly rejoice. Even though we can't see him, even though we've never met him, we greatly rejoice. We're filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy because we are receiving the end result of our faith, the salvation of our souls. Guys, we've got to remind ourselves more. We've got to remind one another more of the end result of our faith that's waiting for us when Jesus returns. It's better than retirement. It's so much more than wealth or comfort. As great of a blessing as it is, it's even more incredible than family. It's not just a a bigger church. It's the salvation of our souls. And in all this, we greatly rejoice. But you know, sometimes the hardest part is enduring and persevering when there's no end in sight and we have no clue when it will end. You know, without question, some of the hardest things that I had to go through at KU was when our strength coach, he would give us a continual exercise with no stop time, right? He wouldn't tell us the time limit. So, you know, we get in, maybe it's a a squat position or a push-up position or a crunch position, or we'd hold a weight above our head, or we'd get in pull-up position, or we'd ride on the exercise bike with no seat on it. And we would just have to go until he said stop. 
And as a whole team, we're doing these continual exercises and we have no idea for how long. And it could be one minute, it could be five minutes, it could be 10 minutes, it could be up to 20 or 30 minutes. We just got to keep going. And you can see people struggling, right? Your teammates next to you are struggling. They're hanging up on these pull And you got some big guys hanging up on these pull-up bars. And you can just see the desire, the hope for the pain to end in that wrestle of should I keep going on or should I just drop and walk out? And we're yelling at each other not to quit. But sometimes the hardest thing is to dig deep and find that motivation to not quit when there's no end result in sight, when you don't know when the pain is going to stop. And it's no different in our faith. Guys, our faith will be tested. Our faith needs to be tested. And sometimes God brings on and creates those tests. Sometimes those tests come as a product of a broken world and God uses those. Sometimes those challenges are brought on by Satan and God allows them. We don't always know when or how long, but we do know this. The challenges we face are opportunities for us to grow. Brothers and sisters, how's the test going? I hated those endurance tests. I hated them. But there was a great purpose to them. Because it strengthened us physically. It strengthened us mentally. We came out of those exercises stronger and more unified and more prepared and more equipped than we were before. But it also revealed our weaknesses. And Peter shares something similar in chapter 1 and in verse 6. I'm going to read from the New Living Translation. In all this you greatly rejoice. In all this... In view of our inheritance that's waiting for us, in view of Jesus' return and the salvation of our souls, in all this, we greatly rejoice. Even though you must endure many trials for a little while. These trials will show that your faith is genuine. It's being tested as fire tests and purifies gold. Though your faith is far more precious than gold. And so when your faith remains strong through the many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. You know, Peter uses the analogy of the process of refining gold. And it's a great analogy for the tests of our faith, right? This process of refining gold is known as smelting, all right? And there's a couple steps to it, right? First, when, when gold is mined, it just looks like a clunky, big old ugly rock with little bits of gold in there. And so when it's mined, it's not a finished product, right? You're not gonna go propose to your girlfriend with that, okay? And so the next part in the process is it faces the pressure, it's pulverized, that ore is taken and it's smashed into 
tiny little pieces. It's put under pressure to break it all up. And after that, it faces the heat. It all goes into a furnace that has to get up to a little over 2,000 degrees Fahrenheit. I didn't even know that that was even possible. But it has to be completely melted in the heat. The heat melts away everything that doesn't belong and it reveals all the impurities in the gold. And then it has to be purified because there are often, there, there are often so many other materials and even other metals that are connected and attached to the gold and all that has to be separated out. And when all of that is sifted out and separated after it's been purified, the gold is melted one more time and molded into whatever shape it's desired. What a great analogy for our faith. Guys, just like gold, when we're found, we're just kind of a big old clunky, rough around the edges rock. And you see some bits of gold in there, but it's by no means a finished product. And before we're molded into a beautiful finished product, we've got to go through the process of pressure and heat so that all the impurities can be revealed and separated out until all that's remaining is nothing but pure gold. And even as precious as gold is, it's nothing compared to a faith that's been purified and processed and tested and has stood firm. Brothers and sisters, how's the test going? You know, I want to show a photo here. I was working on my sermon. <clears throat> and, you know, if you have, a, you know, Apple products, uh, they'll pop up with a new memory. And so this photo popped up while I was working on this sermon as a new memory. And um, it's a beautiful photo, but that, that's not what stuck with me. This photo was taken 363 days ago. KU had just finished up its regular season as the unanimous number one team in the nation heading into what was bound to be an exciting and promising March Madness. We packed up our van. We took our family, the campus staff out to Colorado for a little staff trip for spring break. And we had what would be our last in-person regular church service before things would shut down from the pandemic. You know, I, I remember being in an Airbnb in Denver, having to go into the basement, try to record some video and, and let the church know that we were gonna have online service for two weeks. And here we are 52 weeks later. Brothers and sisters, how's the test going? And what's interesting is that that photo popped up and I started thinking about that. I started looking back at some of my old sermons when the, the pandemic really first hit here. And the first sermon that I did during this pandemic, we were going through a series that I had started over the book of Daniel. And it was entitled Out of the Fire. And we looked at Shadrach, Meshach, 
and Abednego and the faith that they had to face the flames of the fiery furnace. And I was looking through my notes at that sermon and I found a little portion of it that I wanted to reread this morning. Notice that God didn't extinguish the flames. God didn't prevent them from entering the flames. God protected them, but it wasn't until they were in the fire. And I think more often than not, our prayer is for God to spare us from the furnace. But the fire is where our faith is proven genuine. What happens is when we become Christians, we can tell ourselves a story that things should be easier and more blessings should come our way because we've made a decision to be faithful and follow Jesus. And then we find ourselves in the fire and we conclude that something is going wrong or we're doing something wrong or someone else is doing something wrong or God is doing something wrong. When the reality is the fire is an indicator that our faith is being tested. We admire and we're inspired by heroes in the faith like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And most of us long to be like them. But we often forget that the Shadrachs, the Meshachs, the Abednegoes don't exist without the flames of the fiery furnace. And so rather than resenting the flames, rather than wishing for the fire to be extinguished, we've got to train ourselves to embrace and endure the flames. And when we find ourselves in the fire, it shouldn't set off an alarm of panic, but rather it should be an indicator to us that we've been given an opportunity for our faith to be refined. It's an opportunity for our faith to be proven genuine. And there are few things that are more precious than a faith that has stood the test, that has been refined through the fire. And when we studied that out one year ago, I don't think any of us had any idea of the tests we would be going through. Brothers and sisters, how's the test going? What impurities have been revealed in your faith? As you've faced the pressure and the heat's been turned up, have you found any selfishness? Have you found any bitterness? Any idols? Have you found any impurities in your love, in your commitment, in your conviction? How's the test going? Right, It's not a matter of if our faith is going to be tested. It's just a matter of when. And I love how Peter puts it in chapter 4 and verse 12. Dear friends, don't be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come on you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. Here's the other thing, guys. Just as our individual faith is tested in the fire, Churches are tested in the fire as well. Churches go through refinement process just the same. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 10, it reads, By the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as a wise builder. Someone else is building on it because each one should build with care. For no one can lay a foundation 
other than the one that's already been laid, which is Jesus Christ. But if anyone builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, the work will be shown for what it is because the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire and the fire will test the quality of each person's work. You know, John 15 also talks about the need for pruning. You know, and much like our faith is tested and the impurities are revealed and it provides an opportunity for refinement and purification, it's also true with the church as a whole. Our church has been smelted. Right? We've, we've faced fire and heat and pressure of all kinds over the last handful of years. Impurities have been revealed. It's been broken down. The things that don't belong, the, the impurities, there's been separating that's taken place. But this, is, this happens, guys, so that we can be purified, so that we can be refined, so that we can come out on the other side, a precious and pure and radiant church that can be molded into what we're supposed to be. We're pruned, not for the sake of pruning, we're pruned so that we can grow even more, so that we can bear even more fruit. Dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come on you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. You know, but sometimes when we're tested, whether as individuals or as a church, we can ask all the wrong questions. Why is this happening? Who's behind all this? Is it God? Is it Satan? Is it man? When is it going to end? We ask all the wrong questions. I think the only question we really need to ask ourselves is how am I going to respond? How am I going to respond when I face the pressure, when the pressure is pulverizing? How am I going to respond when the heat is turned up? How do I respond when the impurities are revealed? How do I respond when the imperfections are clear? How do I respond when there's no end in sight to the process? Guys, the reality is we all have two choices. No matter what challenges come to test our faith, no matter how hot the heat or how pulverizing the pressure, we all have two choices. You can grow or you can go. You know, a while back, you know, I was getting some, as we started having kids, I was getting some advice from different people that we really respect and you know, one of the guys I was talking to was talking about how they have a family motto. You know, that they have a family motto so that as their kids grow up, they know what it means to be a part of this family. And so he encouraged us uh, to think through some of the things that we value as a family that we want to instill in our kids. And as they grow up, they're going to know what it means to be a part of this family. And so we came up with a family motto. That motto is, oh, Quinns don't quit. You know, there's a, there's a lot of things that we value and we want to instill in our kids. But I figure, man, what, what's one of the most important things we can help teach our kids? O'Quinns don't quit. 
And so, I mean, all throughout the week, when they're trying to ride their bikes and it's getting frustrating, they keep falling over, oh, Quinns don't quit. Right? When they're working on classwork or homework and they're not getting it or it's frustrating, they just want to stop, man, oh, Quinns don't quit. When they're playing a game and they keep losing and they just want to, you know, walk away, oh, no, oh Quinns don't quit. And guys, there have been so many times over the last few years where that's all I want to do. I just want to, I just want to walk away. I just, I just wanted to stop. I'm tired of this or I'm tired of that. When is it going to end? When is, guys, we all have two choices. Are we going to grow or are we going to go? Are we going to look for a less painful path, an easier process? You know, I'm reminded by the charge that the Hebrew writer gave in Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 32. It says, remember in those earlier days after you'd received the light, when you endured in a great conflict full of suffering. Sometimes you were publicly exposed to insult or persecution. Other times you stood side by side with those who were so treated. You suffered along with those in prison and you joyfully accepted the confiscation of your property because you knew that you yourselves had better and lasting possessions. So don't throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. You need to persevere. So that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. For in just a little while, he who is coming will come and will not delay. And my righteous one will live by faith. I take no pleasure in one who shrinks back. But we do not belong to those who shrink back and are destroyed. But to those who have faith and are saved. Church, how's the test going? Brothers and sisters, the tests are going to come whether we like it or not. And we can either wish them away, we can blame other people, we can look for an easier path, or we can embrace and submit to the lifelong refinement process. We can allow our impurities to be exposed and removed and separated until we're standing firm with a more precious and purified faith. And for those who do, for those who endure, for those who grow their way through the challenges that test our faith, who persevere through the heat and the pressure, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. I'd like to close out this morning by reading 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 10. And the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. To him be the power forever and ever. Amen. Church, I love you. Have a great rest of the day. I'll, I'll see you on Zoom for communion.